You're listening to the Economic Sensations podcast with Zimbalim Kuhn. Please don't forget to subscribe to and share the content in all our platforms. Good day, everyone. Uh, today, we are gathered uh, here to discuss the budget speech 2021, probably the most difficult uh, budget speech to have been delivered in, in, in recent history. Uh, I think it goes without saying that uh, what makes it the most difficult one is because of uh, the main factor would be COVID and the, the economic implications of, of the pandemic. Uh, because it, it, is, it is a pandemic that has been uh, disruptive to, to the entire world. Nonetheless, uh, today we have someone who will help us unpack uh, the whole budget speech uh, for you to understand, hopefully, and engage with us in the in the economic sensations podcast today we have nick who is a, a financial writer and also been uh, has also been a reporter and a communicator uh, nick welcome to the show thanks for having me Zabali. thank you so much uh first thing is first i think uh it is important for us to get your view first uh, in terms of uh, your feelings toward towards the budgets were you happy with the budget any dislikes or things that you like that were that was mentioned by the minister uh yeah like you said it was always going to be a very difficult one um given how much debt the government is already in um so it was always going to make some people unhappy i guess but i, I think the minister actually did a very good job of keeping people as happy as he possibly could. <laughs> um, I think the one, the one area um, where there is a lot of unhappiness is social grants, which weren't increased in line with inflation. So that basically does mean that social grants, are, when you take inflation into account, are worth a little bit less this year than they were last year. Yeah. And that is obviously not a good thing, but given the constraints, it was probably necessary, sadly. Um, I think the most important thing out of the budget for me was the commitment to keep spending in check so that we stabilize debt at below 90% of GDP by 2025. Um, That's still a very, very high number, uh, which means we spending a lot of money on interest repayments and that money could be rather going to things like healthcare and education. So bringing down the debt number is extremely important. Um, It's good that it's not going to get past 90%, but it's still high. Um, I think the the plus though is that since it's not going to hit 90%, well, if all goes according to plan, um, hopefully we won't see any more ratings downgrades. Uh, which all they do is really make our debt more expensive. So we're spending more money on interest repayments. On that note of uh, uh, the, the the budget deficits, ne? yeah. So so uh, the the minister has said to us that uh, they expect to collect one point three seven trillion rand. Uh, between 2021 and 2022, that's yeah. in tax revenue, and our spending is above two trillion. Yeah. 
So, so now it doesn't take a genius to understand that you are living uh, above our our means. Exactly. So, so my question then becomes because we are on a budget deficit of about fourteen percent. Correct. So, so are you concerned about this? Do you think uh, it will stabilize in the next uh, four years? I think uh, at eighteen eight eight point nine percent as projected by the minister. It is very concerning. Um, we need to be getting back to budget surplus or at least balancing the books, which means uh, we're spending as much as we are earning in tax revenue. Um, I think it's going to come down to a lot of things, the, the ability to tackle corruption um, and also the ability to find sort of consensus with public sector workers on wages um so since the global financial crisis in 2008 um basically at the time government hired a lot more public sector workers because the private sector was having to let go of a lot of people so it was a sort of temporary plan to keep people employed um the problem is those people have all stayed on the government's books and been getting above inflation increases every year, which means the public sector wage bill has got extremely high. And that is partly to blame for our um, big budget deficits. Um, so uh, that is gonna be key, is the negotiations between government and its employees. Um, if they can reach a reasonable sort of outcome where they're getting increases, but not um, blowing the budget deficit too far out, then then it's possible. No, okay. So still on the fiscal side of the budget. Yeah. Uh, it was said to be a pro-growth fiscal consolidation. Yeah. So I was wondering if that is possible. Firstly, I would like you to explain maybe uh, what fiscal consolidation is, and then you can move on to explaining that it is possible to have a pro-growth uh, fiscal consolidation because there are some economists who, who might argue that that's kind of an oxymoron. It's a kind of more more impossible to have the two to have growth and also a target fiscal consolidation. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, so it's a very tough sort of balancing act, I guess. So fiscal consolidation really just refers to um, balancing the books, so not spending too much more than the state's bringing in, in in tax revenue. So closing the budget deficit and keeping debt levels within reasonable levels. Um, sorry, what was the second part of the question? Is it possible to have a pro-growth fiscal uh, yes. consolidation? Sorry, yes. Um, yes, it is. Uh, it's going to mean that the government will have to rely a lot more on the private sector to stimulate growth and to invest in infrastructure. Um, so we know that South Africa has not invested nearly enough in infrastructure and in long-term growth enabling initiatives over the past 10 years or so. Um, so, and now that there is not much money left for those types of things, it's going to have to rely a lot on public sector financing and expertise. Um, to get the infrastructure drive going. It does seem like there's some positive things happening there. So hopefully, um, but we'll have to see. Uh, progress has been very slow. And I think 
it will need to speed up quite considerably um, because obviously it takes a little while for infrastructure and investments like that to start actually delivering on growth. Nice. So, so moving forward to building up to, to your to answer, do you think this budget was a pro-business budget and it was against the poor as it, it, is, as it was described uh, amongst uh, some within the, 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 yeah. the politicals? Um, I don't think, it, slightly pro-business I guess because there was the, the slight reduction in the corporate tax rate uh, which a lot of people see as positive because obviously the less tax that corporates are making, the more money they can make and the more people they can hire. Um, Pro-poor, I guess you could argue it's not particularly given the slight reduction in social grants. Um, to be honest, I don't think either business or the unemployed are going to really see any benefits for for a little while. There's still a lot of, I guess, groundwork to lay in terms of stabilizing the budget and debt and getting the infrastructure drive going. So I wouldn't say it was either pro-business or pro-poor. If that, uh, it's not a very helpful answer, but I, I'd say neither would go away feeling extremely happy with the budget, but I guess recognizing that it's it's very tough times. Yes, yes. So uh, we, we do know that Stats SA released uh, the, 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 the unemployment statistics recently. Yeah. And uh, honestly, it's, it's a bloodbath blood for, for South That's... Africa. And it does not look good for, for the coming years or so. It's frightening. Uh, taking into account the, the current economic status yeah. of South Africa. And you also mentioned that uh, you do not think that the poor will will kind of benefit from the budgets anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, so I think my, my starting point with this one, I think I want us to talk about the the the, the grants the grant that was temporary grant that is. Yeah. So so the grant were were temporary like I mentioned before. Uh, do you think under the current economic under the current economic collapse in South Africa and and probably the world, what would be the lasting uh, solution for for social grant recipients? Seeing that uh, it's a temporary thing, but it's kind of needed. Yeah, um, good question. So, I think there might be merit in um, investigating something like universal basic income, which is obviously very tough to afford for us right now, uh, given how constrained our budget is. But um, I think Kenya is is doing a pilot project looking into universal basic income. Um, and, and I think it would be a worthwhile time for, for someone in South Africa to do a very detailed study on this and maybe a, a small pilot project like some other countries have done where they have taken sort of a handful of unemployed people and given them uh, a sort of basic, very basic, fairly small income every month. Um, and with that, some people are starting businesses and um, finding jobs. So there is sort of growing momentum in the universal basic income area worldwide, and it could be time for South Africa to look into it. It will be very tough to finance, but 
it does sort of pay back in terms of getting people jobs and, and getting people on their feet. Thank you so much for that answer because um, also Rwanda believes that uh, a, a universal basic income is quite necessary for South Africa. And, yeah. It's uh, been long overdue and also uh, now that uh, COVID is here and the current economic status is not getting any better, yeah. I think it's very necessary for, for the government to look into it and maybe speed up the process for us to have a universal basic income grant. Yeah, definitely worth exploring. I think obviously the tough thing is going to be how to finance it, but um, worth exploring for sure. Sure, sure. Now moving to what was, I think, a surprise to me. Uh, it was the, the, the decrease in corporate income tax from 28% to 27%. Yeah. So what are what are the expectations of a lower corporate tax rate and shouldn't there be like a fear that corporates will are more likely to divert those savings to shareholders or executive rather than uh, stimulus and let what is meant for the stimulus yeah. um so i think the consensus view at least among economists and and myself is that our corporate tax rate is is higher than most of the rest of the world um and that means that businesses would rather, I guess, set up a business in neighboring countries, um, say Botswana or Namibia, rather than here because um, tax rates are more favorable elsewhere. So you do need to create an environment that will make businesses want to invest here. Um, and if businesses invest here, obviously that's good for employment because the more they can invest here, the more jobs will be created. Um, yeah, I guess there are always going to be concerns that that could just increase corporate profits. Uh, but in the long term, a healthier company will always be able to employ more people. Uh, so in my view, it's, it's a good thing. And it should hopefully lead to increased uh, employment. Yes. And from, from the political side of things, uh, I think it was much, I think there was an out, not necessarily an outrage, but the constant and men, mentioning of, of, of the illicit financial flows in South yeah. Africa. Do you think that is kind of something that the, the government has solutions to or something that they've overlooked? Uh, so that's also, it's a very tricky one. And um. The problem is the problem could be getting worse because during lockdown when alcohol and tobacco were banned, um, a lot of illegal alcohol and tobacco companies um, started setting up all of their supply chain networks throughout the country. And now they, they have a lot of the country very much covered um, and they're not paying the taxes that they should, um, which is a big problem. And... I'm all for actually increasing sin taxes because it's easy revenue for the government and it also sort of lowers consumption of alcohol and tobacco. So it has the right intentions, but it might now be kind of detrimental because people would rather stick to the illegal cigarettes and alcohol brands, um, which are cheaper and don't pay taxes. So it could make it a bit tougher to fight the illicit economy um but 
right intentions. Uh, I guess we'll see, and it'll depend very much on the new SARS illicit economy units and, and how much they can clamp down on this, um, as well as the police service. So it'll all come down to enforcement, I guess. Sure. Well, on that note, on that note of uh, the increase of, of, of the excise duties on alcohol and tobacco products, uh, I, I tend to differ with you when you say that uh, uh, the, the increase in, in taxes will, will decrease the, the consumption. Yeah. I think alcohol and tobacco just have an inelastic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're just inelastic to price because uh, whether you increase the price, nothing happens to the consumption. I think we saw during lockdown that, like you've mentioned before, that. Uh, they were uh, illegal trading of of, of uh, alcohol and, and yeah. tobacco, even though they that exacerbated, and even those from and even the, from the people that we think are suffering, they also had the, the extra money, if I may say, to purchase alcohol yeah. at very high. So I think that's a that's a difficult one, but uh, like you said, maybe it's it's, it's easy money for the yeah. Government. Uh, it is. That's very true. Um, it's it's always a tough one. So the intentions are definitely right. To by increasing prices, in theory, you should lower consumption. Um, but it it probably doesn't really work out that way. Uh, so and also another thing I guess is that the alcohol producers have they've had a very tough time during lockdown, and now to be kind of hit with more taxes is also also going to hurt them and sort of stop them from expanding and investing more so it's a tough one it's a tough one so i think my concern with this one specifically is that uh, we all know that the alcohol industry was uh, hit the hardest and when when it was uh, the hard lockdown time yeah and then now they are facing uh, the highest increase in terms of uh, tax rates at eight percent yeah and i think uh, besides the company itself uh, sap or the alcohol industry as a whole uh, experiencing this this setback i think people who will suffer the most are those who who are said to be on the ground like the workers yeah. i think maybe their children might be might be affected which is something that I think has kind of a trade-off because the government needs it, that money and also it will be difficult for, for for the alcohol industry to consume all those people that were in the system prior to the increase and also prior to lockdown. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very tough one. It's a very tough one. Um, to be honest, I'm not really sure <laughs> what the answer is. Um, I think it, it's going to come down to a lot of work to stamp out the illicit economy uh and there's so much more to be done there i think um i can't remember what the stats are but the last time i looked illegal cigarette brands now account for something ridiculous like 80 percent of the market and they're not paying any tax yeah. whatsoever um and that's a big problem and and something does urgently need to be done about that because that's a lot of missed tax revenue. Um, and another problem, I guess, with the illegal brands is there are no sort of safety standards uh, and no usual sort of compliance standards. So it, it is something that requires an urgent attention. Yes, yes. 
So I think I should have started with this question that I'm about to yeah. ask now. So there's been kind of a debate and also in, during his speech, the Minister of Finance, Mr. Tito Mboweni, uh, put an emphasis on the fact that this is not an austerity yeah. budget. But uh, there are some economists or also those who are in the political space who argue that this was actually a, a, an austerity budget on the basis that uh, austerity is when you try to reduce government debt uh, through limiting the spending or rather cutting expenditure yeah. from, from yeah. government. So do you think it was a, a, an austerity budget? I, I don't think so. Um, because if, if you think about it, we couldn't really spend anymore <laughs> given um, the, the tax revenue we're bringing in. Uh, I don't. I don't think it can be considered an austerity budget if you're running a bit big budget deficit. So, personally, no, I, I don't think so. So, I, I would say the minister was pretty accurate there. Yes. So, in terms of growth in the in the economy, uh, so the the global economic growth is expected to rebound to five point five percent in twenty twenty one. Then in 2022, it's expected to 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 moderate slightly to 4.2%. Yeah. Then in sub-Saharan Africa, uh, growth is forecasted to be at 3.2%. Yeah. Right. Then, then the Mr. Tito Mboweni then said that uh, South Africa is expected to rebound it, to grow at 3.3% yeah. this year. Do you think that's possible? I, I do, just because of how much we contracted last year. So it's off a, off a low base, I guess. Um, and the problem is we're only going to be back to 2019 economic levels in about 2024, which is very scary. Um, so it's going to take a few years to get back to where we were in 2019. And 2019, it wasn't great either. Um, so effectively, and then I think, um, uh, Minister Mboweni's forecast for 2022 and 2023 were both growth of below 2%. Um, the worrying thing is our population is growing at about one and a half percent a year. So any growth that's below that means on average, South Africans are getting poorer. So we need to be growing the economy at bare minimum one and a half percent to, I guess, maintain living standards. But we know that we need we need to raise living standards for the average South African. So we need growth of five percent every year. Um, sadly, it looks like we're not going to reach that anytime soon. So even the three point three percent growth. Um, this year, which is off a low base con considering how much we contracted last year, that's even not enough. Um, yeah. We really need to to get back towards the 5% growth rate that we saw before the global financial crisis of 2008. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I think uh, it's going to take time for us to get to 2019 yeah. levels and uh also, I think COVID-19 is, is going to be with us for maybe longer than yeah. we expected. Uh, also, in the 
because the, the minister mentioned that 10 billion rands is is allocated for 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 the vaccine rollouts within the next yeah. two years, uh, which in my view suggests that uh, in the next two years we do not expect to 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 maybe reach economic levels that were closer to 2019. Yeah. So, so in that I I do have concerns with uh, the three percent three point three percent growth rates this year because. In my, I, do, I don't know what exactly will bring us to to have an economic growth that will be at three point three percent this yeah. year specifically. Uh, yeah, this year is is just really because last year was so bad. So <laughs> um, it's not really real growth. It's just getting back a tiny bit of lo- last year's lost growth. Um, so. I think what was the number for last year? It was a contraction of seven point seven point two. So that three point three percent growth, um, considering last year's seven point two, is is really insignificant. Um, so we need some some pretty urgent interventions to get the economy really going again um, to create jobs. That is that should be the the number one priority. Is is getting the economy going back to towards 5% growth and and creating jobs it's it's extremely urgent now we i think we far beyond crisis levels it's the worst unemployment in the world um, it's dire things are things are bad so in terms of of, of unemployment uh, there's usually a, a chicken and egg kind of relationship when it comes to growth yeah. and unemployment uh, seeing how the economy is growing and how the economy is performing uh, and how unemployment has been in, in affecting the country. Yeah. Do you think uh, in, in regarding the, 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 the recent budgets and how the economy is expected to grow in the recent years, do you think uh, there will be a constant increase in, in, in employment rather and also an increase in, in the economic growth? Do you think that's true. That will be the relationship um, going forward. So at the moment, uh, I think it's likely that unemployment is going to keep increasing until probably 2023. And that's that's very scary. Um, because mm. consider the fact that we'll only be back to 2019 GDP in about 20, 2023 or 2024. And we'll have a lot more people in the workforce by then. Um, and if the economy is only at 2019 levels with 2023 population, uh, it, it implies more unemployed people. And that's terrifying. So moving forward now to, yeah. to the SOEs. So nothing was said about the, SO, so the SOEs. And do you think, do you think that uh, uh, this, this, this action by by the minister suggests that uh, some portions of the SOEs will be maybe privatized. Um, good question. Um, I think it's also going to be quite tough to privatize SOEs at the moment because they're all in such a bad state that it's going to be hard to find someone who actually wants to invest in them, <laughs> um, which is a bit of a catch twenty two <laughs> situation. Uh, it looks like SAA will have an equity partner soon. So uh, who knows who that could be? It could be 
anyone from Ethiopian Airlines to Kenya Airways to um, Emirates. Um, but other SOEs, I don't think so. I don't think we're going to see privatization any anytime soon, which I think will make a lot of people happy. Um, but it is absolutely critical that we get our SOEs in order very soon. That is, that's a big reason why we in this debt problem that we find ourselves in. I think the two the two main issues that have got us into this hole is uh, the public sector wage bill, as well as constant bailouts um, for SOEs, particularly ESCOM. Um, ESCOM has nearly ha about half a trillion rand worth of debt, which is ridiculous. <laughs> um, and it's been a big drag on the economy that firstly, that amount of debt, and secondly, the constant load shedding over the past 10 years. Um, so as soon we the those our SOE problem has to be fixed very soon. It's gonna to be tough though, because they, they're in a very bad state. Yes, the, the land bank was I think it they, they, they offered uh, an amount of yeah, seven billion rand, I think. Over I think yeah. over three years. Yeah. Yes, yes. And also Bank has also been one of the SOEs that has been getting yeah. from, from the government. It's very important. It's one of the most important SOEs, um, considering how important it is to fund emerging farmers and for land reform. Um, so that it's a it's a tough one because we can't afford to keep bailing out SOEs, but the land bank plays a very important role in agriculture and land reform and so on. So. I think it is justified to to give it a bailout, but there definitely needs to be a line drawn in the sand to say we seriously cannot afford any more bailouts for any any SOEs. Yes. So I think uh, finally now, do you think that uh, South Africa, South Africa, we all know that South Africa is a, is yeah. a developmental state, so. So do you think having a developmental state and also a developmental central bank is kind of uh, like, how can I put it, it's kind of beneficial to us? Do you think the, the, the Reserve Bank is doing enough to maybe uh, get, us off, get us out of this situation? So I think you can definitely argue that it's been a little bit too conservative. Um, I think people think definitely a few economists think that interest rates could have been brought down even more um, and money supply could be increased slightly. But I think for the most part, the Reserve Bank has really has done its job and done it well. Um, I think it has been too conservative, but not extremely too conservative, just slightly too conservative. Um, I think it is wrong to kind of blame the Reserve Bank for for the mess we find ourselves in. I think the Reserve Bank's been doing the job it needs to. It's just the SOEs really that have caused this problem um, and a lot of policy uncertainty. So I think it's quite easy to blame the Reserve Bank at this stage, but in my view, it's it's done its job well. It's just other institutions and government that haven't.
Yeah. So final question. Is South Africa a a special case scenario because uh, one might argue that maybe South Africa is modeling itself against countries that are not exactly like South Africa. Do you think there are countries who are like South Africa and they, they, they've managed to get themselves out of a mess that was of the same nature as South mm, Africa? Good question. Uh, I think one example, which is definitely not a direct comparison, is Greece. Um, Greece got itself into a huge amount of debt and and has managed to fix itself. It's taken quite a while, but it's it's back on track. Um, the one advantage, though, that Greece has over us is they can borrow in euros, which is much cheaper than than our borrowing rates. Um, so we can't afford to to get into nearly as much debt as as they got into. Um, Greece was did have to go through a few years of austerity. I don't think we can really afford that. Um, we need to be investing in the economy and and in creating jobs. Um, things have got pretty urgent, so I don't think we can really go the route of Greece. And we, like I said, we don't have the luxury of being able to borrow at very cheap rates because they're part of the EU. Um, I think, personally, it's just going to come down to managing the budget well, keeping debt below 90%, um, as the minister said we'll hopefully do. If we do that, people will be slightly more confident to start investing in South Africa again and start setting up businesses here. Um, there, I think there are a lot of very quick and easy wins that we could do to to really get the ball rolling again. Uh, one of those is policy certainty. Um, in sectors like mining and agriculture and also manufacturing, um, there's just been so much policy uncertainty. No one's wanted to invest because they don't know what they can or can't do. Um, and they don't know what the rules are going to be in another year or two. So everyone's been very hesitant to to invest here to set up businesses um and if we if we can get some policy certainty back and create a good environment for businesses to to flourish then i think we'll be back on the right track um like i said government is on the verge of a financial crisis so a lot of it's going to come down to to businesses creating jobs and getting the economy going so we do need to create a, an enabling environment for for business. Um, I can just one example of policy uncertainty is there's so many companies that have been waiting to invest in solar power plants and renewable energy plants, um, which would create quite a lot of jobs and be quite big investments into the economy. Um, but the rules about what you can and can't do have been so unclear for so long that no one has been able to actually invest yet. Um, there are some promising signs that they're sort of fixing things there and moving in the right direction, but it's been a little bit slow. Um, and same goes in the in the mining sector. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty what, about what the rules are now and what they will be in a year or two's time. So 
everyone's been very cautious and holding back on on setting up new businesses and new mines. Um, if we can get that right, I think we'll be on the right track. Unfortunately, it's going to take a little while to to turn things around, but with um, I guess a commitment to fiscal consolidation, like Ms. Mboweni said in his budget speech, and with dealing with policy uncertainty and, and getting SOEs back on track, I think we'll, we'll have blue skies ahead. <laughs> Thank you so much, Nick, for, for, for your insights. I think you gave us uh, a picture of how, how the economy is like and what we should expect in the future you really gave us uh, something that we, could, we can work on and something that we can maybe go for, uh, continue our research. Uh, based cool. On what Thanks for having me, buddy. So Sorry, I, was, I feel like I was a little bit negative. I think there's some maybe some reason to be optimistic um, if, if we all start sort of pulling together. You know what I mean? Um, I, I definitely don't think all is lost. <laughs> <laughs> no. You you were not too negative. I think uh, a critical analysis is some sometimes needed. Yeah. Uh, so we need to speak our minds and. I think the right the right yeah, yeah. noises are being made. The right we're moving in the right direction, just too slowly. We need to we need to be more urgent about about getting things back on track. Cool. Thanks so much for having Thank me. You. You're listening to the Economic Sensations podcast with Zimbalimtun. Please don't forget to subscribe to and share the content in all our platforms. Mm-hmm.